Good morning. Brother Clay said he'd rung the bell, and it, my watch says 9.30, and the clock on the wall does. Glad to have everyone present this morning. We have visitors. Glad to have you, and uh, ask you to come back uh, when you can. We always have those who are sick and in need of our prayers, and our prayers mean so much uh, in our association with God and with the people who need God's blessings. So let's begin our class with a prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we bow humbly before you, thanking you for allowing us to come together this morning to study your word, to worship you. We ask your blessings on all those who need our prayers and your blessings. We have many here who are sick. Be with them and give them blessings as you will. Be with each of us as we walk our daily lives that we might serve you as we ought. We are thankful for your word, and as we study it this morning, may we say and do everything that's according to your will. Be with the congregation here at White Oak and each member as we try to serve you the best way we can. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Back when you were young, if you can remember that far, I have trouble sometimes, and you were in school, did you ever go to school and go into class happy, and the teacher says, uh, class, this morning we're going to have a test, have a quiz right now, a pop quiz. Well, I'm going to begin the class this morning with a pop quiz. Yesterday afternoon, or whenever it was, you began thinking about coming to worship today. What what were were you thinking? How did you look at coming to church this morning? Did you look at it as an opportunity to be able to come together to meet with the saints and to worship God and study His Word? Or did you look at it as a chore? And I looked up the word chore, and the meaning of the word chore is a disagreeable task. Did you look at coming to church this morning as a choy, a chore, or an opportunity? We want to talk about that this morning as we study how we can serve the Lord and serve Him with gladness. David, with great vigor, declared serve the lord with gladness before come before his presence was singing psalm 100 verse 2 but serving the lord with gladness is a strange idea to many people because they have the wrong concept of who god is many people even religious people and christians sometimes view god as a giant killjoy who is always watching, ready to condemn us for any and every pleasure that we might want to engage in. Another reason many refuse to serve the Lord with gladness is because of an improper view of themselves. Who are we? Many are afraid that serving the Lord will cause them to miss out on the very best that life has to offer. 
but just the opposite is true. No one can fully enjoy life without fulfilling God's will. For doing so brings about peace and joy and gladness to the heart. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. John 10.10 Not only does the Lord ask us to forsake all and to follow Him, He expects us to enjoy the service that we put forth to Him. The idea that it's just impossible to serve God with gladness is one that originated with the devil. You remember in the beginning of time, Satan entered into the Garden of Eden and he tempted Eve through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the same three avenues by which he attempts every one of us today. Well, the devil's desire was to convince Eve that God had cheated her and that he was not allowing her to be her full potential. He wasn't giving her the knowledge that she needed to be happy. He promised that if she would eat of the forbidden fruit, that her eyes would be opened and that she would become just as smart as God was. When you get to the real understanding of, of this plot, you can see that the devil was trying to convince her that disobedience and ignoring God would be her ticket to happiness. Well, she took a bite, and her eyes were opened. However, they were open to the fact that she had been deceived by a terrible enemy, and now both she and her husbands are suffering the pangs of sin. Instead of happiness, it brought her great sadness and guilt. The truth is, God has most assuredly uh, said yes to our happiness and pleasure here in this life. We can be Christians and we can be happy. He wants our hearts to be filled with joy and gladness. Notice what God had to say to Adam and Eve. He says, of every tree of the garden, you can freely eat, Genesis 2.16. Can you imagine how delicious all that fruit and all of those berries were and how good they must have tasted? There were no worms, uh, no rot. There was no chemical spray on them. They were uh, the perfection of food as we uh, probably don't even know it today and cannot understand. But there was one tree in the garden which was forbidden, and it was only one of all the others God says you can eat. Does that sound like God is negative, that he doesn't want us to be happy and to have pleasure when they had every tree in the garden except one? Consider this for a moment. Uh, the intense rivalry that exists between Tennessee and Alabama football teams, fans, in back in our good years anyway, imagine that they both were undefeated, ranked number one and number two, and they were playing for the national championship. You couldn't get a ticket anywhere. 
but you dearly wanted to go and you had several friends that you wanted to take with you. Then suddenly an old friend approaches you and states that he would like to give you every ticket in the stadium except one. He wanted one for himself so he could go. Would you consider that human being as negative or as hopeful? Certainly we would not. Well, that's the way it is with God. Reasons uh, abound why we should serve God and why it should always be with gladness. There are many motives for serving the Lord with gladness. Many Christians have been motivated to obey the gospel without being motivated to continue to serve him. While some have been convinced to serve him for, uh, from a joyful attitude, others have obeyed the gospel because of the fear of punishment, because of the fear of hell, if they refuse to obey, which is certainly not the proper motivation to serve God. Jesus himself once warned, I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Luke thirteen three, Absolute terror strikes the hearts of those who don't know him and do not obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 7, 1 verse, let me start over, slow down. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, serving the Lord with gladness requires that we know something about his goodness also. God is severe, and there is a place called hell. And if we do not obey God, we will certainly go there. Paul stated in Romans 11, verse 22, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. God has uh, both sides goodness and severity god's entire goodness his uh, eternal goodness should stir within us an obligation and a desire to serve him with gladness let's look at a few things about god that should help us to serve god with gladness as we journey through this life first of all god's creation should make us glad after God had created the vast universe, the sun, the moon, and the stars, he pronounced it good. And when he had finished this earth, he looked at it and declared that it was good. After he had created the animals, the fish in the sea, and the birds in the air, he pronounced it good. Then finally, God's crowning achievement, that of uh, creation and formation of man from the dust of the earth and creating the woman from the rib from the man's side 
The Bible tells us then God looked around and saw everything and said it was very good. God's creation was for man's enjoyment and happiness and existence. Who has not been impressed by the power of God when he looks up into the skies at, in a, on a clear night and a starry evening? Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 19 beginning in verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night utters knowledge. Who can breathe the air and partake of the delicious food that God has provided without recognizing his goodness and be thankful? Who can hold a child in his arm and not be touched by the love of his creator? Because of the marvel of God's creation, we should serve him with gladness. Secondly, God's redemption should make us glad. When a person considers his predicament and punishment for his sin, he cries out for a Savior. He needs help. We are the most blessed to know that this plea has been answered at Calvary. Paul stated in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Consider this for a moment. You owe the bank millions of dollars with no possible way to repay such a debt. Then someone comes and to offer and give you enough money to pay off that debt completely. And uh, all you had to do was to, was to work for him while he provided you with everything you needed. What would be your attitude toward that person? Would you be offended by him? Or would you joyfully and faithfully take advantage of that offer and serve him? Again, the Apostle Paul states, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, uh, <clears throat> on, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. There's no wonder that the Apostle Paul could write, Rejoice in the Lord. You see, Christ has given us that great offer to pay our debt in simple return of obedience to him. We have a debt that cannot be paid by us alone. We should be thankful for God in Christ for providing that. Next, God's protection should make us glad. To be alone and live a life filled with all of the fears and troubles of this life can really be painful at times. However, it's good to know that one doesn't have to do that. It is good to know that uh, we have God who protects and provides for his children. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3, 
verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Peter also writes, Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. I personally would not want to live without the opportunity to call upon God during times of need and also times of blessing, and I'm sure neither would you. Yet millions of people live that way every day without God. How our heart rejoices to be able to, as David said, lie down at night under the shadow of the Almighty. Paul had reference uh, to this in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gladness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Next, we want to look at God's promises and how they should make us glad. His promises are real. Since God cannot lie, we can depend on God and the things he has promised. Just as he expressed to Joshua before entering the promised land, God makes it known to us today. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. What comforting words. Hebrews 1 verse 3 and 5. God does not ever say one thing and do another. While man often breaks his word, we break our word, we break our promises, but God never does. He offered salvation to all those who will repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. He will give the crown of life to those who are faithful to death. God will never turn away from the promises that he has made for us. Therefore, the Apostle Paul uh, could say with great confidence, I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. It's like saying I trust the First Tennessee Bank. I've got money there. The Apostle Paul says, I, I've got my duties and, and my obligation, my obedience deposited with God, and I feel sure that it'll be there when it comes time for me to report before God. The Apostle Paul reminds us to give thanks to God for the victory we find in Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 the writer says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As soldiers of the Lord's army, we fight our battles here on earth, and sometimes it gets rough. But we can overcome those times with gladness only when we stop to realize that in the end we win. 
It will help each of us greatly to remember these words from David found in Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1, where he says, Bless, O Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Jesus served God with gladness while he was here on earth. And he never asked his followers to do anything that he not first was willing to do himself. He always understood that his mission was, and he never wavered from it. He always said, thy will be done. The will of Christ was his father's will. No one who is familiar with the life of Jesus will deny that he was a man of sorrows. When he was born... Although he was a king, he was placed in a manger in a barn, if you will. He led a quiet and uneventful life as a child, working as a simple carpenter under the teaching of his father, earthly father, Joseph. During his earthly ministry, he went about doing good, not because he was unwilling to compromise the father's will, he endured persecution, mocking, scorn, abuse, and yes, even eventually death on the cross. But despite his many trials and tribulations, which he never deserved, he not only endured, but he rejoiced in doing the will of God. Listen to this. And what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The big question here might be, how could Jesus have joy on the cross and in suffering the cross. Well, Jesus knew not only that he accomplished the will of his Father, but he also provided a way of salvation to all mankind, to every one of us. That's how Jesus could be glad and encourage all of his followers to be filled with gladness also. There's happiness out there all we have to do is open our eyes and look around. We find that the early church served God with gladness. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day 3,000 souls were added to them. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This newfound joy, which was demonstrated by the early Christians, 
was because their sins had been washed away. They were how so thankful for that. And now God had added them who were lost to his body, the body of the saved ones. This joy created gladness in their hearts and their great enthusiasm spread to others. Where we find a couple of chapters later in the history of the church, there were 5,000 souls. They were multiplying rapidly and doing so with gladness. The gospel was successful in being preached and accepted, but at the same time brought about animosity and resentment from the Jewish leaders of the day. However, this did not prevent the preaching uh, in the name of Jesus. Peter confronted uh, and responded to these Jewish leaders by saying, we ought to obey God rather than men, Acts 5.29. Eventually the apostles were beaten and commanded not to speak in Jesus' name anymore, but this did not dampen their spirits at all, nor cause them to stop preaching because we find just later verses in Acts chapter 5, verse 41 and following, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease preaching and teaching Jesus as the Christ. Well, how do we react to trials and tribulations in our lives today? Are we willing to suffer for the cause of Christ and rejoice in it? It seems that some perhaps doubt the goodness of God and even become skeptical of Him because of the suffering that they have to go through in their lives, blaming, blaming God for their problems. Certainly, becoming a Christian does not remove all of our troubles, while in reality it might bring on some problems that we haven't had before. Occasionally it does. Some people, even our own families, will violently protest and assault us for our desire to be simple New Testament Christians. We just had that happen here at White Oak. The couple who obeyed the gospel and were baptized and and were... <clears throat> so brutally turned on by their family that you don't see them here anymore. James 1, verses 2 and 3 tells us this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. <clears throat> the early church seemed to learn this well. For when they persecuted, were persecuted, what did happen to them? They were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. When problems arose in the church and the church had to separate, that did not dampen any spirits of the early Christians because they went around happy to serve. Yes, we all can be glad when we follow Christ 
And we must maintain that good attitude even when we are persecuted. <clears throat> Peter wrote, If you are reproached or scorned for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God <clears throat> in this matter. That which makes the world happy and joyful and glad is quite different from the Christian the child of God has another source for his blessings, and through it he maintains a great hope for the future, which is so much greater than anything that this world has to offer. The world just doesn't understand. Christianity and, and seeks to destroy it. Jesus wanted us to understand completely what is beneficial to us. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed ones are those who are happy. When Jesus concluded by saying, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil things against you, falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets and those who were before you. It's nothing new for us. It began a long, long time ago. It has been said, and rightly so, that uh, the, the devil has no... Happy people who are old. The devil doesn't have any happy old people. The person whose only goal in life is the satisfaction of self and to, and to have happiness which comes from the world will finally come to the realization that all his life is void and empty. For those who are intent on breaking away from the Lord their search for meaning will become useless as the consequences of sin take their course. The words of Solomon still rings clear today when he said, The way of the transgressor is hard. Jesus, on the other hand, brings gladness to those who will follow him. It is stated in John fifteen eleven that your joy may be full. In fact, no one ever came to Jesus and rejected him and went away happy. We find the rich young ruler who came to him and asked him what he needs to do to make his life right. And when the Lord told him to sell all of his possessions, the Bible says he had many. He went away happy? No, he went away sorrowfully. Judas Iscariot, 
the disciple of the Lord, was led by Satan to betray his Lord. Whatever it was that caused Judas to do that, maybe it was money, maybe not. But uh, when he got the blessing he expected to receive, which was the 30 pieces of silver, he took those pieces of silver and gave them back to the Jewish priest and elders and went out and hung himself. While sin can bring momentary pleasure, it never lasts more than a brief season. Sexual immorality may give a momentary thrill, but the consequences of one's actions can destroy lives forever. Alcohol and drugs may give the user a kick, but there's always a kick back. Material goods have to be eventually updated and revised in order to keep one's interest. How long does a new car stay a new car? The rich and famous are serve as examples to us. All uh, of these uh, things that the world has can never fill our deepest needs. Only Jesus can do that. No one who remained faithful to him ever regretted doing so. Even to the point of death, the early Christians were willing to follow him, not out of drudgery, but from a heart filled with gladness and love. They realized that he was the Savior and that he was uh, worthy of their joyful service. Jesus invites everyone to come to him and he be relieved from the burdens brought on by the world. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight. The story is told of an alcoholic who constantly caused his wife and children uh, abuse, problems, hurt, to the point that they were in constant fear of him. On one occasion, this man, after hearing the gospel preached, determined to obey it and was baptized into Christ. When he got home and opened the door, his little boy ran and hid in the closet because he was afraid. But the father finally found him and gently leaned over and softly whispered to this boy, Son, you don't have to be afraid anymore because you've got a brand new daddy now. Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Yes, Jesus brings gladness into our lives. As we continue in life's journey, let us never become discouraged. Just remember that our Lord is still in control. 
Because of this, let us continue to serve him uh, the, the new way. Uh, with each new day, with the words of the psalmist in our minds when he says, This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118. Thank you, and may God bless you.